Well, let's get into our lesson for today. So we have been working through this series called How to Read the Bible. And actually today is going to be um, our last message in terms of the content that we're laying before you guys. So today we're going through actually two different principles uh, that are very, very important, but they're a little uh, less complex than some of the other ones we've talked through. So we're combining them together. We're gonna hit them both today. And then next week, we're gonna have a question and response uh, session. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But in terms of our principles and how we're shaping out our paradigm today is is the last message that we're getting into. So uh, we're going to jump right in. So if you have your notes, get those ready. If you need to download the notes, you can do that now, but we're going to jump on in. So the first principle that we're going to talk about today to continue to build out a good and right paradigm of how we approach scripture is that the Bible is communal literature, Communal literature. So here's what we mean when we say that. The Bible was designed to be read and studied within a community that is learning to live within its story. So the way that the Bible was written and the expectation for the reader is to read this, to study this within a community setting. So that's something very, very important that we have to understand. If the biblical writers are writing with that expectation, we need to do something with that. And so maybe let's, let's start here by just talking about kind of our modern approach. Like how would you say the average person today interacts with, with the Bible? Well, I think the very common way we read and approach the Bible is in our quiet time, you know, like our personal time. So, I mean, we talk about that a lot here even, right? Like where... Um, making sure that you you have your time, and a lot of times, a lot of us in the morning is kind of a common time, or right before you go to bed. But a lot of time, at times, it's it's personal. It's just you yourself. You're reading it, um, which is good. We're, we're we're not saying that that shouldn't be the case, um, but that's very very much commonplace today, mm-hmm. which opposes very much so what we're going to be talking about here. Yeah. So. This has been encouraged, I think, throughout our lifetime, right? That's, you, you take the Bible. Each one of us has a Bible, first off, in our homes. Um, if you don't have a physical Bible, you have your phone where you can have the Bible app. So every, everyone has this at their disposal. And so we read it personally. We digest it personally. We maybe use some other tools to help us get to, to some things. But ultimately, it's a very personal thing. And what we see in terms of the ancient approach is, is very, very different. Because um, the, the scriptures, in terms of how they would have interacted with them, were always read aloud within a community setting, and, and then they were carried about throughout oral tradition. So um, just if you can imagine, the way that they would have interacted is they would have come together, somebody would have read a section aloud, and they would have immediately started to have discussions. So like if you and I read something in the Bible that we don't understand, we're like, oh, that's kind of confusing, uh, maybe you'll dig in a little bit deeper. Maybe it's like, I'll deal with that later. Yeah, moving along. But in ancient times, they would have immediately started discussion. What, what does that mean? What, what am I supposed to do with that? And, and you're right into kind of sharpening one another as scripture talks about. So it's a very different way of approaching this. In fact, um, it would have been very rare for one of our biblical characters to have actually read the Bible. Just think about that for a second. It would have been very rare for them to actually read the, the, the written word. Right. 
they would have heard it, and then they would have carried that about through oral tradition. They would have talked about it. There would have been discussions. In fact, the written word of Scripture, there would have been like one scroll that would have been kept and, and sustained, but that was almost just validation. Everything else was happening through, through talking and through discussing these things. And so it's just a very different way of conceiving of, of how we deal with this. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I, you know, um, I think about one of the life groups that has stood out to me over time is actually a life group that we did through COVID where it was just through Zoom. And um, as we were preparing this, this really like jumped to mind because all we did was we just got on Zoom and we started reading through the book of Mark. And it was just like, we were just reading. But uh, we would then stop and, and ask questions or what, what do you guys think that meant? And I think, you know, even in our culture, um, sometimes we even struggle just to stop and say, what do you think that meant? Yeah. Because, like, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to sound stupid for, yeah. like, not knowing what this says or what this means. And, you know, in this time, it was so commonplace where, like, hey, let's stop and, like, what does that actually mean? And I think today, because of our culture and society and just how we, we are and, and how we've been shaped and formed in our culture, um, we're almost too ashamed to, to stop and ask the question, like, what does that even mean? But through this life group, it was so beautiful because we would ask those questions and there was this, like, rapport built and vulnerability that took place with this trust that we were able to form through it. And everyone just felt so free yeah. to, to ask those questions. And our leader of the group, um, I mean, there were tough questions. I, I mean, I, one of the reasons why it stood out to me in such a beautiful way is there were some really challenging, tough questions asked. And our leader was so humble through it. Um, he displayed so much grace through it mm -hmm. uh, in love. Like, he would get, I, I just remember it like it was yesterday, he would get emotional mm. because he would, he would then bring it back to just the love of Christ and mm. grace that he's displayed. And through these difficult topics that we a lot of times divide ourselves between, he walked us so beautifully through that. But it was because it was in community where we could talk through it and ask questions mm. and ask what does that even mean when, when it yeah. said that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So the way that we approach the Bible today um, is a very, very modern approach. So this came about, we see printing press about 500 years ago, but then it took several generations before people actually had the Bible in their homes. So the, this kind of personal way that we approach it is really only a few hundred years old. It's very, very mm -hmm. new. So it's just helpful to know throughout most of church history, the way that, that our brothers and sisters interacted with these writings was in a totally different way. And, and, and in a way where it was designed to be approached this way. Mm -hmm. Like they knew this is how, how we were supposed to approach it. So um, we see this in Exodus 24. This is one of the first places in the Bible where it talks about the Bible being written, if that makes sense. So we see that, that God tells Moses to write these things down. So Moses writes these things down. And then what we see is he takes it to the people. So the community comes together he reads these things aloud, and then they immediately decide whether they're going to adhere to, to these writings. 
And then from that moment forward, they, they carry these things throughout oral tradition. So Moses didn't write these things down, make a bunch of copies, give it to the people to go home and you know, read it and sift through it, talk about it with their families. All of this was done in community. So they almost never approached the scripture in a personal way like you and I. That almost never happened throughout most of church history. Anytime they're hearing the scriptures, it's with people around them where they can talk about it and ask questions. And I, to me, this might be one of those things where it's like, well, okay, just because they did that back then doesn't mean we have to do that today. But I, I think we miss out on some really yeah. beautiful things sure. when we don't approach it this way, especially considering it was designed mm -hmm. to be approached this way. So maybe let's talk about some of the things we miss out on today when we don't approach it th this way. What's kind of one of the first things that comes to your mind? Other perspectives, you know, like we've all had our own upbringings and experiences, lived in different places, you know, just all of our different contexts that we come to this thing with. Um, you know, there's been countless times where talking about scripture with someone and they bring a whole different perspective to it. Um, that if we don't have community in that way, yeah. we're missing out on so many different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and we're stuck just with our current perspective and paradigm of it. Yeah, we've been talking about paradigms mm -hmm. this whole series. And this is one of the best ways to challenge our current paradigm mm -hmm. is just by, by being in community with one another and saying, oh, you see that differently? Oh, you have this different lens? And then it forces us to go outside of ourselves. This is one of the, the reasons where, uh, or, or why we have become so divided as a church, I think. In fact, if you go research church history and where a lot of the divisions stem from, um, it almost matches up with the exact timeline of when the printing press came along and when we were able to personalize this thing. Because now we take this, we read it alone, we come to our own interpretations and we live in this echo chamber. And so the way that I see it is for sure right. For sure, no doubt about it. Yeah. And so then when somebody comes along and sees it differently and challenges that, that's very disorienting for us, mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, 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 that's yeah. wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Right. And, and so we get this, I mean, think this is honestly normal in our church culture today yeah, sure. where we have these conflicts mm -hmm. and we can't get beyond them. Yeah. We, we have to say, well, we got to divide because of this. And so much of that is unnecessary. And a lot of it comes from us not doing this in community with one another. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about, I mean, Jesus's prayer at the very end, you know, is about unity and um, the letters go on to talk about unity, mm -hmm. unity, unity. And we've talked about, you know, that we are, um, we all are, we all love one another. We're a part of, of this Christ following thing. And I think we've struggled at times to say, okay, how do I, how do I love well? How do I stay united when we have these differing opinions on things? Mm -hmm. And this is a way that they were able to do that is they were, they didn't all agree, you know, with, with everything. But they were able to live in a united community mm -hmm. where they continued to humbly kind of approach things together, where yeah. they were able to, to shape and mold, you know, and, and grow iron sharpening iron throughout the process. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of um, our Financial Peace University classes where, like, the content is great, but some of the magic happens afterward when everyone starts talking about it. Yeah. Because then everyone's starting to talk about, 
oh, this is how I see that, or this is how I would apply this, and here's a tip for how you can do this. Um, A lot of the magic really happens through that conversation, And, and likewise, you know, we've got the Bible, the content here. It's when we start discussing that and talking through it where yeah. we, it comes more to life. Well, I would argue that good interpretation of Scripture will un- only come through a communal approach because um, my personal interpretation is not always going to be right. It's just not. But if we have different perspectives, diverse opinions, then we're forced to look through different lens and to see things from different angles and to be challenged. And as we do that, you know, iron sharpening iron is not always a pleasant experience, but it gets us right into the space that we need to be. And and that to me is what's going to lead us into true wisdom and, and understanding rather than just trying to, I'm right, you're wrong, we have to separate. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this for years now, but um, everything is so more nuanced than we yeah. want to make it. And so we've got to remain humble mm-hmm. through this process. Like, we got to... <laughs> When someone shares something, uh, a belief that they have, let's not just immediately assume they're stupid, they're dumb, they don't get yeah. it, you know? Like, let's understand, why do you see it that way? And humbly, genuinely yeah. approach that out of curiosity of, help me understand where you're coming from there, because along the way, what if we learned yeah. something? What if we actually grew, grew as we were? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think that that's something that, you know, I struggle with for sure at times when, there's a different belief or a different opinion that happens. Sometimes if I feel that rise inside of me to get like defensive, um, I have to consciously say, okay, calm down and listen to what's being said here. But that's really, I think, challenging for us. And and, I mean, we're called to be humble. And and so we've got to remain that way. Well, I think that this is another thing we miss out on because of our personalized approaches. I I think as the church, we would have... such stronger relationship with one another if we were getting into scripture more communally because it would force us to get into those situations where we challenge one another, but we encourage one another Mm -hmm. and we love one another and we sharpen one another. We're forced to do that rather than I'm just gonna hold tight to the things that I think. And oftentimes that, that is gonna separate and isolate us. I bet all of us in the room could raise our hands and say opinions that we have of the Bible that we wouldn't wanna say out loud because we're scared of what people would think. And that would not have been the case through this ancient approach. They were open and they were asking questions. And as uncomfortable as that can be sometimes, that is what is gonna force you in the right direction and ultimately unify you mm-hmm. in, in, in kind of a, a different way. So I think this is a, a deep one that we need to consider. Yeah, I, you mentioned <clears throat> echo chambers earlier. You know, I just, uh, in that COVID time frame, it, it got really ugly, right? Like it got, it, there was all sorts of things going on, especially at that time. I think COVID, you know, was just such a tough time for many of us. Um, but we talked a lot about just those echo chambers that we found ourselves in. And you kept hearing what you already had that stance on and it, kept, it built up that yeah. that rise inside of you to where you aren't willing to hear anything else. Um, so it's just... And, I, and if you do hear something else, you think that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. There's no way you can yeah. think that. But it's because that other person is going through the same echo chamber just in a totally different side of things. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of separate ourselves so much and it becomes our identity that there's no way that we can come together. And so I, I think this is one we need to deeply consider 
and, and in my opinion, as leaders, mm-hmm. we need to lead well in, in pushing us in this direction. I would love for this to be like one of the, the main things about our church culture here is that we approach scripture communally and we can differ on certain things, but it's not gonna affect our love and it's not gonna affect our unity. I would love for that to be something that really rises to the surface. Yeah, in fact, we talked about in, in yeah, go ahead. I don't wanna cut it off. Um, I, I totally agree, and we've even talked about what if just on a, even our Sunday morning that we we got you know we got up here and we just started reading scripture, mm-hmm. and then we would stop after so many verses and we would just kind of group up and start talking about you know what what do you what did you pull from that you know what did you get from that and and it would become this community approach to scripture where we're just reading through his word and and yeah. we're pulling from it. I think it'd be beautiful even if it was just once a year, um, to come together on Sunday, do exactly what you're saying, maybe um, read a, an apostolic letter out loud, and then uh, have tables out where we can have lunch together. And throughout eating together, we can just have discussions. What did, what did you take from that? What does that mean to you? And, and to me, that generates a culture where we can have those discussions. We can disagree on things, but ultimately it's sharpening us and, and leading us in the right direction. Um, <laughs> I think they like the food idea. The Not food, just, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I mention food, everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> um, life groups. I think this is one of the magic of just yeah. the life groups coming together each week is we get to do this. We yeah. get to approach scripture communally. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more and more we move forward, the more and more things we're going to implement like this because I think this is something that I, I, I really needs to shape how we view scripture and, and how it ultimately impacts our lives. So communal literature, we'll continue to ponder that, meditate on that, see what we can do to put that in place in in our culture and in our community. Let's get to the the final uh, principle of how to read the Bible. And this is a a really big one. This is one that affects uh, the whole of the Bible. So I think it's one we we need to uh, get into before we finish things off. And that is that the Bible is wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. So here's what we mean when we say that. Scripture is meant to reveal God's wisdom and invite us into a journey of transformation that conforms with that. So let me say that one more time. Scripture is meant to reveal God's wisdom and invite us into a journey of transformation that conforms with that. So this is how we must view scripture and how it's ultimately shaping and forming us. So in week one, we talked about how the Bible is not a reference book. It's not a textbook. So this is in direct opposition to that. What the Bible is, is wisdom literature, meaning this is not to be read in a way to where you just download some information and you're good to go, like we do with a textbook, right? I got a problem, I'm gonna go see the answer in a textbook. Mm -hmm. What this is meant to do is lead us to character transformation, to like real action in our lives. It's trying to lead us in that direction, and and that's what the Bible's ultimately about. Yes, so um, I think we talked about in prior weeks that we, in our Western civilization, we like to simplify things. We like bullet points. You know, we like it nice and concise and to the point. This is just not that way. I mean, it wasn't written that way. And as much as we try to make it that way, it's just not that way. Um, and we think we want lists. Yeah. We think we want the, just tell me what to do and tell me what not to do. And we, we like that idea, or we think we do. Yeah. Until we're in 
in a situation where we are truly in a list situation, where you are told you can do this and you can't do that. Now, I hope that as I'm explaining that, you guys feel how much, actually, when you think about it, that is not a life that we would really want to live. Um, it's just, okay, now I'm a robot. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Um, so we think we want it that way. And I think our culture has kind of developed that inside of us. Uh, but when it comes down to it, there's no list exhaustive enough that helps us with all the different nuances and complexities of life. Yeah. And this wisdom literature is helping shape us. Yeah. That no matter what the circumstance that comes up and arises, that it has formed us into who he wants us to be. So now we know how to live through that. We know how to operate in those circumstances when we don't know the yes and no situation. So it's interesting because um, more more recently in terms of uh, biblical studies, uh, we call certain parts of the Bible wisdom literature. These are the wisdom yeah. books. Yeah. So we've got you know, Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. That's the wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. But we got to open up our minds to see every piece and part of this, the narrative, the poetry, the letters, all of it is wisdom literature mm-hmm. and that it's leading us. Yeah. It's leading us mm-hmm. into true wisdom. Uh, you, you were talking there. It, it made me think about how you know, most of the things that you and I face in life, that each one of us faces in life, the Bible doesn't address directly yeah. because they weren't facing those things. Yeah. They didn't have those cultural problems that you and I are facing. So if we approach the Bible as, um, as simply a list of do's and don'ts, it's not going to be effective for us because mm-hmm. we're not facing those things. Mm-hmm. And so what, what the Bible is trying to do holistically is get us to see through a worldview so that every time we face something, we, we know how to deal with that in view of, of what the, the word is ultimately leading us towards. So maybe let's just talk about wisdom for mm-hmm. a second. We keep throwing that word around. So what does wisdom really mean? And as I was thinking about it, um, today when I hear the word wisdom, or if like somebody says that that person's really wise, what I immediately think is they're smart, right? Like they know a lot of information. In fact, they know like the secrets of life. And so I need to talk to them so that they can give me that information. I can download that information. Wisdom is much, much deeper than that. Because wisdom is not just about um, the intellectual information. It's about actually putting it on display in your life. Mm-hmm. It's action. It's, it's living it out. And interestingly, as you study um, the words that are translated to wisdom now throughout the, the Hebrew scriptures, that's almost entirely how they saw the word wisdom. Is just simply like practical application. So uh, like craftsmanship. That's what wisdom was. Yeah. Somebody who can actually do things with their hands and fix things and restore things. Not very that's, unwise. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's wisdom. Yeah. So they saw the conception of that word very differently than, than we do. So I think we have to put these ideas together. Wisdom is about intellectual understanding that leads to life transformation, yeah. actually leads to action. Um, so we see a combination of the heart and the mind. The heart is about what we choose to do, mm-hmm. and the mind is about how we think. When the two of those come together, that is wisdom. Yeah, and we if it's just head knowledge, and it just remains just head knowledge, it's really not doing much of any good, Yeah, right? Like just to simply know things 
isn't going to do you much good. Uh, Tara and I, we started uh, on the side kind of messing around with some real estate stuff. And, um, and we went to the, this big um, get-together, this conference kind of meet-up networking thing. And there's like two, 300 people in the room. And uh, I show up, and I'm like, well, I've got no chance. Like, there's a lot of people here, and I'm just, like, learning this stuff for the first time. And, like, what am I doing? Like, is this worth even trying? And uh, my mentor said, uh, he, we got to talking afterward, and I'm looking across the room, and I, I think I must have mentioned something about, like, dude, like, are all these people doing the same thing? Because how am I going to do anything? And uh, he told me, he's like, listen, there's 2% of people in this room that are actually going to do something. There, there's only 2% of people that are actually going to take the things that they're learning through this and actually apply it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, so maybe there is a chance in this. But taking it from head knowledge, yeah. and, and through my experience with this, it's like um, I tried to learn all the head knowledge, and then finally I got involved and applied it, yeah. and, and we finally got one going, and through applying it, I then began to get, pick up more wisdom through it because yeah. now that I'm applying it and I'm in it, I'm having to feel out what works and what doesn't work and what do I tweak and what do I adjust. And it's just like, you know, whatever it is in life, as you actually start applying it and doing it, then yeah. you start to learn all the more yeah. and, and you pick up more and more wisdom through applying it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So let's kind of take this now. So we've got wisdom, not just head knowledge, it's putting it into how we live our lives. So let's go back to our culture and, and how this works. So, so the Bible does not tell us how to respond when somebody cuts us off on the highway. No. It doesn't, it doesn't give us that information. No. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, how much screen time we should be on each day. They, they weren't going through that. That wasn't something that was relevant to them. Right. So the point here is that the Bible isn't just trying to give us a list of things to do or not to do. The Bible's trying to shape us in a way to where we can view those things through the lens of everything that the Bible's giving us mm -hmm. to know how to respond. Mm -hmm. So if somebody cuts me off on the highway, hopefully I've meditated on what Jesus means when he says, turn the other cheek, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or hopefully I've pondered what it means that patience and gentleness is a fruit of the spirit, mm -hmm. right? And as we meditate on those things, suddenly when, when that happens in life, we now have the wisdom to know what to do in those situations. Yeah. Um, the, the same thing with screen time, right? We have to think through what, what does the Bible talk about how we utilize our time, what, what a good steward means, yeah. and, and how we're actually supposed to live this life. And then we're right into thinking through what we do with our time, what we do with our money. So all of it is trying to lead us in that bigger, better direction. Random thought, but as you said I'm that, scared. you're loving it. <laughs> I just heard yesterday, I think it was, if you are arrested... As a Christian, for being a Christian, if you were arrested as, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence yeah. to convict you that you are a Christian? Mm -hmm. So how are we stewarding our yeah. time? How are, that's the thought. Yeah, that no, wasn't that's too great. bad, right? That's great. All right. <laughs> Woo! Uh, <laughs> All right. So um, I, I think we can take this in so many different directions. Like we talk about the concept of holiness, mm -hmm. which simply means to be set apart. Well, to know how to be set apart in our culture, 
The Bible doesn't directly address that because they were living in a different culture. They talk about how they were set apart in their culture. So then what we're supposed to do is digest that and realize what that yeah. means for us. Yeah. And then to think about the things that we do and the things that we say and, and how we are to be yeah. different, right? Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. Uh, we're not to be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we can discern what the will of God is. And so this is important, but how do we do that in our culture? Yeah. And the Bible is doing that in a very specific way that we need to be aware yeah, of. Yeah, and just like not everything is called out in Scripture, there are things that are given in Scripture that, again, context, yeah. right? So like Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church, right? Like that is to the Corinthian church, right? And there's wisdom underneath it, but we're not to take that specific instruction on how to give or, you know, where to give specifically because they were giving to a very specific place for a specific reason. That that yeah. doesn't apply to, you know, us uh, as, as we're... Greet every person with a kiss is in one of Paul's letters. So if All you right. walked in and got kissed... Um, Paul, Paul says that, but that was very normal in their culture. That was yeah. a sign of love and respect. In, in our culture, that's yeah. uncomfortable and disrespectful. So it's Don't just, you dare, all right? So, but, but you're right. We, we have to contextualize that yeah. and understand the wisdom yeah. and where it's leading and guiding us to. I'm a hugger, but if we go further than that, yeah. we got to yeah. draw a line somewhere. I, I will say, um, I was thinking through this, and... Um, we do this already, right, in, in uh, yeah, yeah. you know, our, our life. So uh, I was thinking of the first time I told Roman of the, at bedtime, the story of uh, the little boy that cried wolf. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a very, it, it's, it's not a actual, like, a wolf didn't really yeah. eat a kid, all right? Like, it's a, it's a story, right? But we are to pull wisdom from that story. So as I'm going through the story and the little boy thought it'd be, you know, fun to trick everyone and cry help, you know, for wolf, wolf, wolf. Um, I mean, by the time I got to the second time around, Roman was like, bruh, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, he's already like questioning, like, whoa, what are you doing, man? Like, and, and, <laughs> and if Roman's, <laughs> Roman's a jokester himself. So, I mean, if he's picking it up, like, but through that story, you know, he was able to pick up, yeah. you know, what was being shared, what was being told, the wisdom that was to come from the story. So we, we do this already. Well, you and I have talked a lot about how we don't even realize so much of the way that we view the world and how we're supposed to operate within it is due to the Disney stories that we grew up watching. That, like when you really think about it, so much of our perspective is just based off of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the power of story. That's the power of narrative. And that's exactly what the Bible is doing through the narrative, through the poetry, through the letters. It's shaping and forming a worldview so that we know how to address each situation. This is the reason that the uh, Adam and Eve narrative is the foundational narrative of the Bible because it's all about wisdom. Uh, what does wisdom mean? How, how do we get to wisdom? And the whole point of the story is not that Adam and Eve ruined everything. The point of the story is that each one of us are in their shoes. Every moment of every day, we stand at the tree and we have a decision. And the words that we say and the actions that we take, we stand at the tree. And the question is, am I gonna desire and take of my own or am I gonna adhere to God's wisdom? Yeah. And, and so that, that is the point of the Bible. So it sets up that foundational narrative. The rest of the Bible is showing us what wisdom looks like and how to be shaped and formed in that direction. Well, and, and 
So what's key here is, you know, we're talking about Adam and Eve and, and the wisdom that they are trying to pick up, right? And they ended up taking it, mm-hmm. right? It, it was very clear, very specific language. They ended up taking it into their own hands, trying to control things themselves. Which, let me say, yeah, this is one of the things, one of the themes throughout the Hebrew scriptures, the idea of taking something for yeah. yourself. And every time you take something for yourself, something bad happens. Yep. It's a bad thing. Yep. Yeah, but then we get to Solomon, yeah. You know, then we get to King Solomon, um, and we see that Solomon's a young man when he's put into uh, the leadership. king role, right? Yeah. The leadership role. And he knew, hey, I- I'm so young in this. I really don't know how life really yeah. works all that well yet. I don't know what wisdom is really because I haven't lived this thing long enough to, to pick yeah. it up yet. And so he, he asked God for wisdom. Right, he he asks for it, and God grants it to him. Yeah, you know, God grants him the wisdom. So the wisdom of itself is not a bad thing. But how we approach it? Are we going to try to take it? Yeah. Are we going to go to God, humble ourselves, and yeah. ask Him for it? Yeah, that's a good call out because I think a lot of people read the Adam and Eve narrative, and they think, well, Adam and Eve are just trying to to know the difference between good and bad, and. Mm-hmm. So God doesn't want them to know that. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is how do we get there? And the, you're supposed to see the Solomon story in light of that story. And then it's supposed to click. Oh, okay, this is how we get wisdom. We humbly come to God and, and ask for it. Yeah, and God, God thought Solomon was, was going to ask for yeah, all riches. the riches and the long life and all these things. And, you know, God in his loving kindness, he, he was so pleased by his son Solomon that um, he's like, yeah, I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you all the other good stuff too. Yeah. So the, the, we're just going to continue to meditate on that, continue to think through that, what the Bible is really trying to do and how it's trying to, to do that. And uh, I think this is one of the biggest transformational pieces of the Bible. If we really see what it's trying to do, uh, it's, it's going to unlock a, a lot of things for us. So um, that, that brings us to the end of all of our principles. So maybe let's just take a few minutes, like two or three minutes here. Let's do a quick recap of the series and kind of the different principles. Mm -hmm. So um, we're trying to build out this good and right paradigm. So we started off with the first principle that the Bible is human and divine. So the Bible has traveled through human hearts and minds and, and hands, human history, but we ultimately believe it's inspired by God. We believe that the Holy Spirit has led and guided and sustained not just the writing, but the process that we've seen through history. But that frames up how we're supposed to view the Bible. There is humanity in here that we need to be aware of, and we have to see it through, through that. Talked about how the Bible is unified, um, that it's unified in its composition, it's unified in its narrative. So sometimes we read through the Bible and we're like, geez, I'm like bouncing every which way. I can't seem to make sense of this. But the Bible is trying to take us on a direct journey uh, to a, a particular place. And so we have to understand that, that the way that it's composed and compiled is in a unified nature. Specifically, and we talked about this, the Bible is messianic literature. So what the unified narrative is about is Messiah. So we see from the beginning of the whole story that there is going to come one who's going to bring about restoration and wholeness and healing. And so we see that thread all the way through the Bible leading to the person of Jesus. And of course, our Christian claim is that he is the Messiah. He is the one that, that everything has been written about. And so we see all the culmination and, and who he is, and we need to take that. We well, see how all those even tie together, too. You know, like they all marry together. You talk about human and divine. Well, 
the Messiah ends up coming in human form. Yeah. Uh, it's a unified story from beginning to end that all points us to Jesus, our Messiah. So they all kind of marry yeah. together too. Yeah. So then we got into the next piece, which is that it's meditation literature. So the way that it's designed is we're supposed to read it and reread it and reread it and meditate on it and ponder it and, and allow it to just circulate through our hearts and our minds over the course of our lifetime. And that's how we're transformed by it. So it's not designed so that we read through it one time, download the information, and we're good to go. This is a lifetime journey of transformation as we meditate on the scriptures. I love this one too, because I really think about how you can, when you meditate on anything and you have that circulating in your mind, how much you unpack that more and more and more and how you really begin to break that down. Um, I mean, it really applies to anything, but certainly when we apply it to scripture, we begin to understand that more and get down yeah. to its roots. Yeah. And then we talked about contextual literature, and this is a big one because we have to understand the Bible is written in a certain context, mm -hmm. uh, written by certain people to a certain audience at a certain time in a certain place. All of those things are not just relevant, they're essential for us to understand what the writings are ultimately about. So we talked about some of the angles of that. We talked about language. Bible's written in ancient Hebrew, ancient Greek, so we have to do something with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been translated to English, but there are still some complex complexities there that we have to deal with and, and figure out. Yeah. We yeah. talked about uh, there are cultural differences, right? So in every culture, there are things that happen um, or things that you expect to happen, and it differs depending on where you're at or what time of history you're in. And so we have to understand what they were dealing with, what their culture was, so that we can then apply it to our cultural expectations as well. And so that's an important one. And then communal literature. This is designed to be read and studied within a community, to be sharpened by it. And then wisdom literature. All of it is shaping and forming us to have wisdom in every moment of life to know what we're doing. And so uh, here's the thing. We've been preaching patience from the very beginning of this series. So the expectation is not that we take all of that, download it, and like tomorrow I'm going to read the Bible in the perfect way. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is about. We're going to keep stepping forward in this in the way that we teach we're going to implement all of these practices um, in the way that we address our life groups. Let's implement these practices. And all that we do, we're just going to keep heading in a good and right direction. And I believe this is going to absolutely transform the way that we read the Bible, the way that we apply the Bible, and the way that we live it out as a community. I really wholeheartedly believe that. So let's just continue to be patient. Let's continue to take steps forward. And, and I think it's going to be amazing what happens. Yes, so we, uh, we mentioned the... Q&A for next week. And we said from the very beginning to be keeping track of the questions that you have, knowing that, you know, I think from week one, um, we really have been challenging our ways of thinking through this. And so I, I hope that you have questions that you've been able to uh, keep track of and make lists of. We have received a few, but we're hoping that there's a lot more that you have. So Make sure to submit those. I believe there's a link to that in the, the in sermon, sermon notes, notes. right? Yep. So in the sermon notes, there's a link to be able to submit a question. Um, we want to encourage you to do that because next week, we want to be able to speak into that, answer some of those things. If you've got that question, there's probably many others in the room yep. that have the same question. 
Um, we're not going to call you out by name. So-and-so had this question. Uh, so just send in the, the questions because we want to make sure that we are feeding into that. We are helping um, answer some of those questions that we have because uh, we've got our own paradigm that, that we're coming from as we deliver this stuff. We've probably got some blind spots there that we're missing. And so by your questions, we'll be able to help fill those. Please, please, please submit those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.